Money FM 89.3, the best of the breakfast huddle. Now it's time for Eurowatch and time to shift our focus to headlines coming out from the UK. And from the UK's Prime Minister, Rishi Sunak, he said that the country will not pursue any post-Brexit relationship with the EU and the EU's proposal for the long-awaited gas price cap. To give us an analysis of those headlines and much more, we have Chris Humphrey, Executive Director, EU ASEAN Business Council. Chris, good to have you with us this morning. Good morning, Rachel. Nice to be with you. Chris, let's start off and talk about the UK's Prime Minister Rishi Sunak. He said that the country will not pursue any post-breakfast relationship with the EU that relies on alignment with EU laws. What are your thoughts on Sunak's latest comments? I mean, is it showing that he doesn't want to reopen the Brexit Pandora box? Well, yes, exactly that. All he's Mm -hmm. done really is restate what the... uh, policy has been from the Conservative Party uh, post-Brexit. You remember Boris Johnson won that big election yeah. back in 2019 on the get Brexit done, take back control. And uh, I think Sunak's just really just reiterating that, but in a bit softer language. He's uh, got to look after the right wing of his party and he's got actually more pressing things to worry about, sorting out the UK's domestic economy at the moment. And you've got to remember as well, doing any kind of deal, even a Swiss-style deal, uh, would involve actually making concessions to Europe, having to have regulatory alignment with Europe, having to do things that would give you know the European Court of Justice some control. And these are very these are red lines to the Tory Party. Okay, but why would a Swiss-style deal with the EU not work for the UK? And what kind of responses are being to Sunak's comments? Uh, some quite angry response mm. by the European Research Group. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're very concerned about some some sliding on Brexit and not having a very hard Brexit. Uh, why wouldn't it work? Well, because a Swiss-style bill does involve regulatory alignment. It does involve giving Europe some control over your standard setting, etc. Uh, it does involve, in the case of Switzerland, um, being part of the Schengen Agreement, which the UK would never want to do itself. Uh, and it also involves the Swiss actually making some monetary contribution to the EU budget at the same time. These are all things that for the Conservative Party in the UK are a complete anathema. They, it, these are things they do not want to see happen. Okay, Chris, but looking at the bigger picture and where the UK's economy is at at the moment, I mean, according to the Organisation for Economic Cooperation and Development, or the OECD, the UK is expected to face the worst downturn of any advanced economy in 2023. Yeah, yes, and the UK's a bit of a mess. Uh, Rishi Sunak's predecessor, of course, didn't help with her mini-budget, which caused Mm -hmm. immense market turmoil. UK has rampant inflation at the moment, uh, north of 10%, around 11 towards 12%, and increasing interest rates. The UK has been hit hard. Um, it was hit hard during the COVID crisis. Mm-hmm. Its bounce back has been a bit slower than other economies. Um, and really, if, if people want to be absolutely honest about life, this is the Brexit uh, outcome coming home to roost in many, many cases. The UK needs to try and sort things out a bit more. It mm. does need to sort out some closer alignment with Europe. Uh, it needs to boost trade with other trading partners as well to try and soften this blow. And the UK, of course, has also been hit hard by the energy crisis resulting from the war in Ukraine as well. Okay, and we all know that Liz Truss had a tough time when it came to trying to fix the UK economy. So what does this potential downturn mean for Rishi Sunak's government? Uh, well, I think he is going to be a much more of a, a fiscal conservative person. He's 
perhaps a lot more um, sane, perhaps, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, when it comes to handling the economy. I think him and his Chancellor, Jeremy Hunt, with their uh, budget announcement last week, have really settled the nerves of the market, and that will help in the longer term for them. And they're being more prudent when it comes to fiscal matters. They understand that there are things that need fixing, and they understand the government needs money to do that, and they're bringing forward policies which will help stabilise the economy and probably put it on a better path in the longer term. His problem is now people, less money in their pockets, higher interest rates. He's probably got about two years in office to try and salvage this government. Can't quite see that happening somehow. And meanwhile, north of the border, Scotland is teasing a potential referendum, although I understand that's now been shot down. Uh, shot down by the High Court in the UK, yes. Absolutely, or the Supreme Court in the UK. Uh, but it's probably not off the agenda, and it's going mm-hmm. to be something that's going to keep bubbling away. The Scots are agitating. Mm-hmm. They miss being in Europe. Uh, they don't see Westminster as acting in their best interests. Uh, the union is actually under a lot of pressure in the UK. We're speaking with Chris Humphrey, Executive Director, EU ASEAN Business Council. Chris, let's now turn to the EU Foreign Affairs Chief, Joseph Burrell. He has said in a fiery debate that the EU will not follow the US's toughest policy on China. Do you see this move by the EU as perhaps a softening approach? Uh, I see it as a uh, desire for some practicality in life. Uh, you know, China's, <laughs> China is the EU's biggest trading partner. Mm. Uh, I think there's a lot of uh, you know, politicians are saying, hold on a minute, we've got problems in our own economy, we've got a war on our doorstep, we are mm-hmm. continuing to back Ukraine, we can't keep making strong enemies out of China, uh, we need them uh, for a number of areas. So it's a bit of a softening of stance. I don't think you'll see a softening in some areas, like you know concerns over okay. human rights abuses, but when it comes to economic ties, I think Europe is like, uh, we actually could do some help here. Okay. So what kind of approach do you think we can expect from EU leaders and the relationship with China in, I guess, the next year or so? I think one built on, on practicality, as I just said. Mm. Uh, they'll want to, to do more on the, on the trade side of life. Yeah. Uh, they'll be very careful about Chinese investment coming into Europe. They have a lot of concerns over what some of the Chinese state and enterprises are doing. But it's one going to be built on uh, how can we trade more with each other in a way that doesn't infringe upon our own security interests or our own stance on things like the economy and human rights. Okay, Chris, I just want to shift gear now. We've been talking a lot about gas prices, and you mentioned earlier the war in Ukraine, and obviously that's really had an impact on energy prices. And we now know that uh, news is out that the EU gas price cap would deliver a $33 billion blow to the market. What are your thoughts on the news? Uh, I think this is uh, partly... European leaders saying to the citizens, don't worry, we've got your back. Mm. We're going to help soften the blow for you on this. There is concern the longer the war goes on and the more it is impacting people's wallets, uh, that you know, some support for the war in Ukraine might start to wane amongst the citizens. So the politicians are saying, hold on, we've got to do something about this. We're going to soften the blow of these price increases for you. Um, that will keep the populace happy. And we'll hopefully make sure that the support that we're providing for Ukraine won't, won't start to decline amongst the populations. And that, that's really where, they, where they're coming from. 
And I understand that a number of EU member states are not happy with the bloc's proposed cap on natural gas prices. I think it's at 275 euros per megawatt hour. I mean, obviously, as you mentioned, this aims to prevent sky-high costs for consumers. But what's the end result here? What impact is this going to have? And why are some of these member states not happy? Well, you've got to remember, Europe is uh, 27 member states. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've got some very diverse views. Mm-hmm. Some are more stringent on this sort of topic. Some are very, very strong supporters of Ukraine. Others are a little bit closer to Russia. So that does provide a, a need to strike some balance when doing these deals and working on sanctions proposals, etc. Uh, and that's why you see some softening perhaps on sanctions from the very hard line that they're originally coming out with in some areas. Uh, and, you know, some don't believe in market intervention as well. Mm. Some think you just let the markets go the way they are. So when you try to balance a block of 27 countries, uh, it takes some negotiation. And so do you think, Chris, this is why the EU has watered down its latest sanctions proposal? And I'm curious, do you think that this could potentially backfire? Well, watering down is because you have some states like Hungary, for instance, who uh, mm-hmm. take one view and you've got the other hardline views coming, say, from a, from a France at the other end of the spectrum. And, and that's why, yes, I said, it's got to be some kind of, of negotiation. I don't see the, the general position from the EU against Russia and the war in Ukraine changing. They will be very strong supporters of Ukraine. Uh, they can't backslide on that sort of policy at the moment. Okay, Chris. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us this morning. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you. We've been speaking with Chris Humphrey, Executive Director, EU ASEAN Business Council, here on Money FM 89.3. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.